you should have your scripture with you, I'm going to be reading from both the book of Lamentations. That is a, a, a crybaby's book. Jeremiah wrote it, and he was not very happy with stuff. But in the chapter that we're going to be reading, he actually has a whole litany of complaints. He complains even about the air that he breathes. How many of you have complained about that? He even did that in that moment. But he was so in despair and so disillusioned with what he was experiencing in life and in the life of his people, in the life of Jerusalem, in the life of the people of Jerusalem that were now under captivity, that all he could write was his pain, was his frustration, and yes, even his lack of hope. But in Lamentations, as he is writing and he's expressing his frustration and his lack of hope, he yet finds a little slinch, a little bit, a little area where hope can come in. And in verse 21 of chapter 3, he says the following words, and this is where we catch him. Yet I still will dare to hope. When I remember this, the faithful Love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin fresh each morning. Then I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. This is the word of the Lord. In the gospel reading this morning, we find Jesus uh, having one of his, uh, his, come on guys, moments with his disciples. He's actually just, I uh, have come down from the Mount of Transfiguration in this chapter. Before that, he had fed some hundreds of thousands of, some thousands of people, pardon me. And before that, he had healed some lames, he had opened some eyes, he had healed some lepers and even opened some ears. For people who couldn't hear, they can now hear. Peter was with him up in that Mount of Transfiguration where they actually saw a revelation of whose Jesus really was in his deity. They've known him as a, as a fellow human, and now by the grace and mercy of God, Jesus is revealed to these disciples as the Messiah, the Son of God, in all of his glory. Matthew Chapter 16 says, verse 21, from that moment on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things in the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised and from the dead. But Peter... Peter must have been a very good um, political strategist because he, he probably took the class on CNN uh, in spin class. And, and, and he says, he tells Jesus, I mean, hello, Peter had just seen Jesus glorified. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. Oh, don't you say those things, Jesus. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. This is the famous phrase, get thee behind me, Satan. This is where it's at. Because you are only seeing things from God's, from human perspective 
and not from God's perspective. Now, Luke finishes the whole story with one particular statement that I want to bring out. And you can find it in the 51 verse of Luke 9, which also has the same story that we read. But Luke adds to the story as the time approached for him to be taken to the heavens, Jesus resolutely, confidently, without wavering, without thinking it twice, set out to Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. In, in the last few uh, uh, weeks, uh, actually for, for the entire summer, we have been sharing about the fruit of the Spirit. Those things that are, are, are in us because the Spirit of God dwells in us and those things that are attributes and perfections of God's attributes of God that are now being formed in our life as we share and participate in the life of God and God in our lives. We describe this and, and I have the image of water of a water uh, tornado or, or just a swirl of water, which represents may represent God's nature. And in God's nature, you have the flavor of love. You have the flavor of patience. You have the flavor of goodness. You have the flavor of peace. You have the flavor of tenderness. You have the a flavor of, of gentleness and kindness. You have the flavor of joy. And you have the flavor of, of self-control and faithfulness. And all that water, as it swirls, that is who God is. And the only way for those fruit to be part of us is for us not only to drink of that water, but to submerge ourselves in the life of the triune God and allow God to submerge God's self in our lives. That is how these attributes become part of us. We cannot in our own flesh try to be more patient. We fail at it. We cannot in our, own, in our own strength have more gentleness. It's just not part of our, of, our, of our being. Maybe for a little while, but not for a long time. Another way in which, uh, in which we see this, as we open ourselves to God's mind, then God's mind is formed in us. The Apostle Paul in Romans talks about us acquiring the mind of Christ, us having the mind of Christ. And this describes also the mind and attributes of Christ. Today I want to talk to you about faithfulness. Last week, what, what did we talk about last week? Goodness. And we found out that goodness is actually God's goodness. We found out that there was a distinction between social goodness, how good we can be to one another, and how pleasant we can be to one another, versus God's goodness, which none of us can reach or can emulate. And it is that goodness of God that is planted in our hearts so that we can share God's goodness with others, as Paul reminded us in his first letter Second chapter, verse 9. I'm looking at her like if she had it written up. <laughs> I just remembered. Okay? But today is faithfulness. And faithfulness is one of those attributes of God that whenever you're studying theology, it comes up as one of the first ones that you study. It's one of the first attributes that theologians and people who want to know about God need to grapple with because it is so much intrinsic of the nature and character of God to be faithful that you cannot separate faithfulness and God. It is 
part of who God is. And actually, we experience it because God, who is faithful, has shown it to many of us. Now, when I was traveling in, in Puerto Rico at the beginning of last month, Paula, you're going to enjoy this. Loida and I were on the taxi from the airport to the hotel in the old city of San Juan. And there's a bridge that connects the new city of San Juan, Puerto Rico, with the old city of San Juan, Puerto Rico. Without even talking about it, as we are crossing that bridge, Loida and I looked to the right. We saw this image, and we looked at each other and smiled and said, it's still there. Enrique was a 1600 Spanish soldier in old Bastion of San Juan in the 1600, actually 1656. He was supposed to be in the battery of old San Juan defending it from the Dutch, which were assailing the island because they wanted to get the gold because Puerto Rico means rich port. And all the gold from Spain was being housed there. And that was the hub from, and then ships from Spain would come to rich port and take it back to Spain. So if you want to find where it's all at, it's over in Spain. But Enrique was lonely, and Enrique was one of those soldiers who had left homeland, and he was alone in the island, and he felt very lonely. So he went ahead and, and he adopted a stray dog. He called his dog Amigo, which means friend in Spanish. And, and, and Amigo and, and, and Enrique used to always go every afternoon when he was finishing with his duties at the fort. He would go uh, to the edge of these waters by, by these rocks, this coral formation, and just fish with his dog Amigo. Amigo was always there with him. Actually, there were times that Amigo would go out, swim to the rock formation, and kind of call Enrique over. Let's go fishing. Interesting. One day, Enrique was called to service, and they were going to a battle close to the Virgin Islands, St. Croix. And, and unfortunately, in this occasion, the Spanish galleon was sunk by the Dutch. And Enrique never came back. But his dog always would swim to that rock formation and would sit there every day waiting for the ship to come. The legend goes on to say that he never left his post waiting for his master, Enrique. And Amigo became part of the rock formation. It's still there, as Loda and I found out. It's still a faithful little animal, right? What is a typical English name for dogs? Fido, which means faithful in Latin. Okay? So faithfulness is an attribute that, yes, is in part of us, is in us, but it's tainted because of sin. But the main thing that we're going to learn today is that God is faithful. And God is faithful because God has made promises. God has covenanted. Did that come out right? God has made covenant with human beings, with men and women. And in spite of the failing of the human being, God has remained faithful to God's self, to himself. Was God faithful to Abraham? in calling him and giving him eventually the descendants? Was God faithful to Noah? Let me ask you. Was God faithful to who? Jacob. Was God faithful to Isaiah? Was God faithful to Jeremiah who we read and he had hope? Was God faithful to Daniel when Daniel was stuck with a nice little cats? Big ones. Was God faithful to Job? 
Was God even faithful? And let me put it this way. Was God even faithful to Jesus? Let me ask you. Yeah. So intrinsically, God is faithful. And God's faithfulness, we can learn about God's faithfulness and we can be inspired to be faithful as God. We can be motivated to be faithful as God is faithful. We can actually be guided into God's kind of faithfulness because that faithfulness lives in you and lives in me. And I keep saying this, and some of you are looking at me like, what kind of strange theology? This is Calvin Reformed theology. 167 times has the Apostle Paul alluded to the idea that Christ, the Spirit, or the Godhead lives in us. This is no strange theology. It was Pauline common for Paul to remind us that, yes, God's faithfulness, and we can be faithful because God's faithfulness is in us. Our faithfulness is limited. Actually, our faithfulness is to whom? To the three of me, myself, and I. That's the typical tendency of faithfulness. It's to me, myself, and I. Oh, yes, we can extend it towards our wives. Uh-huh. But the eyes have drifted. I just look up. <laughs> we can't be really faithful people. We can pretend. But ultimately, in the perfect sense of faithfulness, it is only as Jesus and the Spirit is in us, and then as we relate, then it comes out faith. It is easier to be faithful when you know that God is with you. Is that true? Do I hear an amen from Judy? That's right. It is at those moments that you're really at the end of the rope that you begin to think, is this for real or not? And let me ask you, I'm going to take a risk here because I'm going to ask a question and I want you to raise your, your hands. And I'm going to ask you, how many of you have experienced unfaithfulness on, on from God? whole bunch of no okay now how many of you have experienced faithfulness from God let me see your hands yeah even the kids knew that the sun was going to come up tomorrow even they knew that and as we shared it is a sample on God's faithfulness towards us. So yeah, getting to know God's faithfulness in Scripture, as God has been faithful to all the saints before, during, and even now, getting to know that is very important. Because as we see God's faithfulness with others, we can then begin to rely on God's faithfulness. Maybe he'll do that that he did for Joshua for me. Because we begin to see God in action. And, and then we also see it in Jesus' life. Let me tell you one thing. I don't know if I could do the same thing as Jesus. When he went to people and he would spit in the mud and mix it up and put it in the eyes of somebody, Jesus really believed that that person was going to see. I don't know. 
Your pastor doesn't have that kind of faith yet. Pray for that. And obviously, as we share together, we can find God's faithfulness in our everyday life. The hymn, the old-fashioned hymn says, counts your blessings, name them one by one, right? Count your blessings, see what God has done. But that is there. So not only do we get to know God's faithfulness in Scripture, in Jesus' life, but in our own very life. And to end, Jesus, who is the master, tells us that we are to grow in faith. And then he says, so then we grow in faithfulness. How? How can we grow in faith? Simple. God's faithfulness is and will be produced in us. As we begin to experience faithfulness from God, and we begin to experience God's faithfulness with one another, then we are beginning to grow and mature and become faithful like Jesus. And, and Jesus uh, was very faithful because Jesus could have very easily, actually he was tempted several times to give up the way of the cross. Way at the beginning of his ministry, when he was in the famous temptations, he was offered to give up the way of the cross. His disciples actually saw him very popular. And Peter, who was a great spinner and a great strategic guy, saw the opportunity of having a king with him when he saw Jesus glorified. And yet, Peter did not understand the purpose of Jesus. And again, he was offered the opportunity. You can be a king now, forget this. And he replies, Peter, you're seeing things from God's perspective, not from, I mean, from human perspective and not from God's perspective. So yes, God is faithfulness, and God will produce that fruit in us. But we can't do it by ourselves, because even Jesus, as he's sharing with his disciples in the upper room, tells his homies when he's having dinner with them, I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. See the connection on how the fruit of the Spirit can actually be born in us or produced in us as we remain, get hooked to, stay put with Jesus? Because away from him, we can do nothing. The Apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy that even though, that even though we are unfaithful, that even though we break our promises for convenience, that even though we take advantage, that even though we change our minds, and even though we change priorities, that in spite of all of that, God remains faithful when he says, if we are unfaithful, God remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Oh, what grace. Oh, what privilege to be under that umbrella of God's faithfulness, people. It is unique, and, and it is something that the world out there may not understand, or that you, you can share with your friends. Have you heard about God's faithfulness in spite of our unfaithfulness? Great is the faithfulness of God. It is so great that it is one of the pinnacles of the entire Christian theology. It is one of the most important things that we as kids learn. Even nature reveals it to our 
kids that great is thy faithfulness. Have you experienced that faithfulness from God? Have you allowed God to touch you and to show you God's faithfulness? Because it is great. And there is nothing to compare it.